welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on another goalless draw from Saturday, Rhys Haldane. Rhys, how are you? I'm brilliant, thanks Matt. Um, as you say, another goalless draw. Not very eventful, but all the same, always looking forward to discussing it on the pod. Jamie McDonald will be here shortly and rounding off our panel is David Forrest. David, are you well? Hello, yes, I'm I'm well. Um, it's good to see Inform Partick Thistle, the team of the, the championship at the moment, racking in all these points. Um, you know, 66% confident of the league title. Um, yes, I'm looking forward to talking about the game. How much does it say about the league that the, the Inform team <laughs> in the division hasn't scored in a fortnight? <laughs> anyway. We'll start, as we always do, with a look at the starting eleven. Lee Hodson came in for Harry Milne, who was ill, and Kevin Holt and Darren Brownlee, who came on the previous week, started in place of Conor McAvoy and Aaron Muirhead. Reese, when you saw the team on Saturday, how were you feeling? Um, well, the, the glaring obvious uh, big omission from the team was Harry Milne, and the, every game he's played against Dundee this season, he's been he's been excellent. A couple of goals against him and really good performance. That that was. It's a tough one to take, not having Harry Milne, but Hodgson done fine. Um, apart from that, the only other sort of decision was whether or not Mitchell kept his place again. Um, and it does look now for, it's going to be Mitchell's jersey to lose because it's three clean sheets in a row. A penalty save in there as well, you're not going to drop him now. And it's just really unfortunate for Snedden. Um, <laughs> Snedden can't ever get the rub of the green, but uh, it's, it's got to be Mitchell's jersey to lose now. But when I seen the team, bar the Harry Milne, um, absence it was fine I was happy with the lineup. David we met friend of the show Ross Alexander on Saturday and he, he asked us what we thought of the team at, at two o'clock and I think we both said we were a bit concerned but how well did that sort of makeshift back four play on Saturday because there were three changes to the the back four that started the previous week and um, so how well did they do to keep another clean sheet? Yeah I, th- I think it's one of those things where like we've conceded one goal under Crystal and and We've had a constantly changing centre-back partnership. We had two centre-backs out injured. One has left the club now, um, and the other one is going to be out for a fortnight. And we still kept a clean sheet. I mean, under McCall, under Archie or whatever, if that happened, we are falling to bits and, you know, we're losing that game. And we didn't. And it's it's testament to, you know, Dylan's you know, philosophy on football about how we are still rigid at the back and, you know, players are putting in shifts and stuff like that. There was one or two players that I really, really thought exemplified just the defensive solidity of the team um, on Saturday and just gave us a little bit more on there. And um, it's really interesting that there, there doesn't seem to be a drop-off with the defence, uh, even though we could do centre-backs out. Um, yeah, it's... It's, I, I agree. When, when it came out and we'd seen that Harry Milne was out, you know, we, we can try to figure out where was Hodson going to be and stuff like that. I think we're all a bit concerned that it was going to be a bit of a cut and shut uh, back line, and, but they've done perfectly well. So <laughs> you, you can't complain. Uh, it's getting to the point now where we'll get the team out and it will be another odds and sods lineup, and we won't feel that way because it's happened so many times that we're kind of, you know, it's given us a bit more confidence, which is a rare thing to say as a Thistle fan. We've had a we've had a listener question about what Doolin Ball is. I think we're going to come on to that a little bit later. We've sort of 
highlighted the change that Jordan's made dropping Bannigan a bit deeper. And I know we've said this for two or three weeks in a row now, but I think it is important to point out that that is probably the key. I thought the two centre-backs, Holt and Brownlee, were, were good on Saturday, but I think uh, Bannigan and Dockett were probably the our best two players. And I don't think it's a coincidence that with Bannigan dropping deeper to form a shield in front of the back four that we have had improved defensive performances, regardless of the personnel that's in the back four. Jamie McDonald has now joined us. Uh, Ian Murray keeping you late at training today, Jamie. Yeah, great pattern. Yeah, hi. Sorry I'm late. That's all right. What were were your thoughts on the the performance on Saturday? Mixed, I'd say. I think we looked good at times, maybe a bit flat other times. Thought we defended pretty resolutely, like we have in most games under Dillon. I'd say maybe against... Like Barbro from Morton, we rode a lock at times, but I don't really remember Dundee having many clear cut big chances, to be honest. So yeah, I thought we defended quite well. Going forward, we were okay, I'd say. Obviously, it's hard to remember any like massive chances we had in the game, by like the Mullen one at the end, maybe, but I'd say the main glaring thing to me was the poor decision making at like crucial moments, like that Mullen chance at the end, where it looks like he could have squared it for Cole McKinnon or. Fitzpatrick when he had that chance to play it through to Scott Tiffany when he'd been one-on-one just poor decision making like that I think cost us what could have been three points because I don't think Dundee were all that impressive to be honest I've never thought they'd look great anytime we've played them this season we weren't at our best but weren't at our worst either it's not a dreadful point but I wouldn't say it's a great one either Reese, who were the, the standout performers for you on Saturday I've mentioned uh, Doc and Banzo again did anyone else catch your eye? Um I thought I thought the whole midfield was good. I thought Turner was good as well. That that trio have been really good for a, a good couple of weeks, basically since Dylan came in. Um, they they look solid um, going forward. Know, I think Jack McMillan was good. I think Jack McMillan's good every week. I think he's a he's a fantastic player, and I think he's always very steady. He gives a good performance week in week out. Very rarely drops below a, a seven out of ten. Um, and of course the defence done fine in general, keeping another clean sheet. But it was one of the, those games where. That all three nil nils we've had now, there's not really been many chances, and uh, I don't know if we'll come on to it, but I'll, I'll, I'll make a wee reference to it just now with regards to the the Dylan Ball situation. I don't, it's hard to gauge what Dylan Ball is. We seem a lot more defensively sound anyway than we did under McCall. McCall maybe be a wee bit more gung ho and a, maybe a bit more of an attacking threat, but you the the most the best display under Dylan, of course, have got to be the three nil against Ray for outstanding that day, and if we can produce that every week and just there was like a freedom about the way we played that day and the way we were, the passages of play and stuff, and also combining with the defensive solidity, it was just it was brilliant to watch. But the nil nil games have just they don't really do much for the confidence of and they don't do much for our season really. To be honest, it's just you're gaining a point and Queens Park are stretching ahead. And I mean, if you could turn any of those nil nils into into three points and you're right in the mix and, and we haven't done so, so hopefully we can sort of put an end to the nil nils and, and keep up the 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 unbeaten run, but we need to start putting three points on the board. It was Dave Donnelly who asked, what is Dolan Ball? Jamie, do you have a, a take on what it is? Has anything caught your eye that has changed since Ian McCall left and Dolan replaced him? We've mentioned Bannigan dropping a bit deeper, but is there anything else you can put your finger on as a, as a tactical change? I think Turner seems to be being allowed to play for a bit more freedom. I think he was playing maybe a bit more of a, as an eight under McCall sometimes. He's playing more of as a 10 under Dolan, but that might be to do it with Barring and playing more defensively. I'd say also, I mean, McCall did like overlapping fullbacks, but I'd 
maybe it was just me, but I've, in some of the games, like Dundee away and then Rafe, I thought that our fullbacks have been a bit more effective going forward. They've been a bit more involved in the play. Like Dundee, obviously Milne scored, then Milne got an assist against Rafe as well. And yeah, McMillan's look good going forward as well. They were good under McCall as well, but I just don't know. To me, it just looks like they're a bit more comfortable under the slight tweaks that Dylan's made. But, you know, it's quite early into Dylan's reign. It's only six games in, so it's kind of hard to pinpoint all the sort of style of like, tweaks he wants to go for and the style of plays aiming for. But I don't think he's made any negative changes since coming out. I wouldn't say he's done anything which I've thought, oh, you know, I'd rather he'd stuck with this or he'd done that instead. So I'm interested to see as he learns as a manager and grows what style of play he's going to kind of gravitate towards. And I think we'll see more of that towards the end of the season and definitely next season. David, what was your take on the performance on Saturday? Who were the standout performers for you? Um, I have to agree with you, Matt. I thought Bannigan was absolutely superb. And again, you can see the benefits of him dropping back. I thought he was basically at times a third centre-back and that he was covering for everybody when just that he needed that little bit extra. Bannigan was there. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. He had some great stops during the game. And yeah, he was my standout um, for the game. In terms of the performance itself, again, there wasn't really that much to the game. I felt that on balance, we threatened more and probably if any team was going to win, it probably should have been us. Um, I don't think Dundee had that much um, in the way of chances. Um, and I think that certainly Toulouse would have been an unfair result on us, I think. It is very heartening to see another clean sheet, but at the same time, when you know we've not scored for the last fortnight, if you get another nil-nil, at that point you're thinking, where are the goals going to come from? And you're going to be in this odd catch-22 where you don't concede goals, but obviously you don't score goals, so you're just nil-nil on your way to the end of the season. The players, you can see, and they mentioned this, uh, Lee Hodgson mentioned this after the game as well, you can see the effort that they're putting in. You know, they're not half-arsing it and they're giving everything when they're out there, but the the Mullen chance was an absolute sickener, um, to be honest. It's it, it's got, I, I don't want to say this, but it's got Juan Allegria vibes against Inverness of a chance that he will be remembered for that he missed. And I don't want it to be like that, but it was a, a, an absolute guilt-edged chance that we missed. And again, I think that is harsh. It's not as bad as the Allegra miss. Uh, we'll, we'll wait till the end of the season when we're like two points off champions Dundee. We'll see. <laughs> but I don't know. It was an incredibly frustrating miss at the time. And again, they could have squared it in the end. But yeah, we were we were quite good. I think we were better than Dundee. I don't think we had absolutely blown them away or anything like that. But I think on the balance of the game, if anyone was going to win, it probably should have been us. But Bannigan was brilliant, as he always is. I think in terms of what Doolin Ball is, I think we spoke a lot about McCall about the, the Ian McCall tactic it was get the ball to Tiffany or get the ball to our best players and just hope they do something. I think Doolin is along the same lines. I think it's a bit more nuanced. Jamie, you've referenced the overlapping fullbacks, and I think that is a, a key factor. When we get the ball wide to Tiffany or Lawless or Fitzpatrick, the fullbacks are, are clearly overlapping every single time. And the fact Bannigan has dropped deeper means Turner can get into the box. So we're getting a, a few more bodies in the box, I would say, when the balls go wide and the fullbacks are providing overloads out wide. So I think that's good to see. And that sort of leads me into the, the question I was going to ask, who do we need to see more from? 
I think in our best performances this season, we've raved about Tiffany, we've raved about Lawless, Fitzpatrick perhaps to a lesser extent, but him as well. I think we need to see more from them. Uh, Lawless has been quiet for a, f- a few months, actually. He was good against Wraith, but he's, he's not at his... Um, as many excellent performances as he did in the first few months. Tiffany's been quiet the first uh, the last couple of games. I'm willing to give him a little bit more of a pass because he's performed more recently than I think the other wingers and he's still sort of getting his way back to fitness. And I think we need to see a bit more from Fitzpatrick as well. I think Fitzpatrick's been dealt a, a harsh hand quite a lot this season with being in and out of the team. And I think, Jamie, I think it was you, Jamie, said that is he, is he maybe trying too hard? Or maybe that was actually... Ross Alexander on Twitter said maybe he's trying too hard when he is in the team because some of his decision-making when he's getting a chance isn't perfect. I think, Jamie, you spoke about the chance where he could have played Tiffany. Maybe that's playing on his mind. He's trying to make to sort of catch McCall or Doolin's eye when he's on the pitch and the in-and-out nature of his season is affecting him. But I think if we get a good performance out of one of them in a week and we keep that defensive solidity, I think that's when it will start. draws will start to turn into wins. Anyone agree with that? Yeah, definitely agree with you, what you're saying there. I do think that the likes of Tiffany, Fitz and Lawless have got to be producing more. As you see in these games, the 0-0 games, those are the guys you look to for that spark. And, I, and I've said that for quite a while about Tiffany. Of course, he's an amazing player and I love seeing him play with us, but that's just the one thing he lacks in his game is consistency. He had it when we were in League One and he came in and just couldn't stop scoring. Since we've came in, it's, it's stop-start. He's out injured, they kind of get going. He has these games where he's not really in. And then other times when he's on his game, he's, he's by far and away the best player in the division. And you just wish that he could produce that week in, week out. As for loss, he's, he's not been at the races for a wee while. And, and I do think that Fitzy's good. Whenever Fitzy starts, he produces. But it's hard for him because whenever Tiffany's fit, Tiffany gets back in the team. So I do feel that probably, in Fitzpatrick said, he needs to make an impression when he comes on the park. And that sometimes can lead to him taking too many touches, try to go on a solo run um, instead of picking out the right option. But these these things will change and, and these players will, will get back in form and things will start clicking again. But you just if you're looking for someone to, to dig out a hole, it needs to be like, the likes of Tiff or Lawless. And, and when they've got their starting jerseys, they need to be producing more often. So I, I completely agree with what you're saying there. I saw it was as, as we recorded Aiden Fitzpatrick's birthday today, and it sort of shocked me. He's still only 22. I just because he's been around for so long. I think I just assumed he was sort of in the sort of 23, 24, 25 bracket. But yeah, he's still still very young, so maybe it will give him a little bit of a pass as well. Uh, Jamie, is there any more players you'd like to see a bit more from? I feel that Dowd has kind of fallen out of kind of significance in the team a bit. At the start of the season, on the podcast, on Twitter, like we were very complimentary of him, a lot of fans were as well. His impact coming off the bench, he was often grabbing goals, important goals as well. You think of the one up in the 2-0 win at Harbrough and just the other ones off the bench as well when he scored against um, you know, Inverness and he scored against Morton uh, at home and I think he scored against Morton away as well. But I think that Morton away goal was the last goal he scored in the league. I think he scored against Kelty Hearts in the Cup and he's... I know he's been in and out of injuries and he had that week off with concussion as well, but I think he's a player that I would never say he's technically amazing. Like when he's dribbling, he does look a bit clunky, that sort of thing, but he was good at being that kind of guy in the box just to grab a goal, an important goal quite often as well. And it's that threat we had off the bench that like you take Graham off, even if he came on, you knew that there's potential for him to grab a goal or he could come on with Graham and add an extra threat. I just feel we haven't really had that from him in the second half of the season at all. 
to be honest. And as I said, I know it's been stopped start with injury, but I'm hoping that he can maybe get a goal and that'll get his confidence back and he can notch one to three goals for the end of the season. And I think we've kind of missed that. I'm going to make a point. I don't know if anyone agrees with me. And I think this is it's difficult because you're obviously allowed five substitutions now, but you're only allowed three windows to make them. And I don't I didn't disagree with taking Graham or Tiffany off on Saturday. I don't like it when they take Graham and Tiffany off at the same time, or whoever like the sort of key goal threats are off at the same time. I think it sort of deflates everyone a bit. Even if there was just a gap of five, ten minutes in between those subs. I don't know if I'm looking into that too much or anyone agrees, but I think if you take them off at the same time, it's all like the stadium sort of sighs and the opposition probably think, oh, oh good, we've dealt with them. Um, yeah, and- I, I agree with that, Matt, as well, because when you take both of them off, you're taking off arguably our two biggest threats on the pitch and our two most likely sources of goals. And you're bringing on players that they just aren't on the same level usually as Graham and Tiffany. Like, I'm not trying to, you know, insult our bench and I'm not saying the players coming on are bad. It's just that they're not as influential as Tiffany and Graham can be. When you take both of them off together and bring on two players that aren't as likely to create something or grab a goal, then you're kind of nullifying the threat. And like you said, it is kind of a drop in atmosphere. And maybe, obviously, you don't know, but we don't know how other teammates feel when they see two of the main threats going off. And it, it can maybe just dent the confidence slightly. And I do agree with you. It's frustrating. And we said last season that the bench was one of our biggest problems last year because you took off Graham, took off Tiffany, and there was basically nothing to come on to replace them. And, we said this season we had a stronger bench, but it maybe isn't getting proven as much in the second half of the season because I can't really remember the last time someone came off the bench and scored or got an assist. To be honest. There probably hasn't one recently, I'm forgetting, but I, can anyone remember someone coming off the bench and scoring recently? Well, it'd be Mullen at air, but that was a very early sub, I think. Uh, I, I, won't, I'm, I, I guess, but... Yeah, no, I, I totally get your point, Jimmy. I think we saw a lot of good things from Dowds. And uh, Fitzpatrick and Tiffany at the start of the season when they were sort of coming in, in and off the bench. Um, but I, I think since sort of uh, the last three months, maybe, uh, the, the impact from the bench has, has been reduced. And that's probably a good point. And it's, it's one to keep an eye on as well, because I think Dolan's subs have been generally quite good with praising for the subs. I think especially against Airaway, I think, and in his first game, I thought his subs were spot on. Uh, but that's maybe just one to keep an eye on making that sort of change at the same time. And I know it is hard because I think if you'd split the, the Graham and Tiffany subs up, um, I'm trying to think what, what the other sub was, but would we have been able to sub Fitzpatrick off and bring a replacement on at the end? I can't remember if we made another sub or not, but that's the sort of thing that makes it difficult with the three windows. But I just think you, you space it out because taking them off at the same time does deflate the, the atmosphere. Cole McKinnon was the other sub. Yeah, he came on for Fitzpatrick, didn't he? Oh, yeah, actually. You might be right, actually. Yeah, so did, yeah, I, can't, yeah. I, I don't think we made another sub, so I don't think it would have affected on, on Saturday, but I, I know if you split them up, you, you could be caught shortly in the game, but it's one to keep an eye on. Um, David, as we sort of suspected last week, Conor McAvoy ruled out for the season. How big a blow is that for us as a club and for him? Yeah, I think it is a big blow for us. I think he was... I think he'd really shone in his short time with us. Um, he had all the makings of a obviously different profile, but a sort of a, a, a Scott McDonald, Tiffany sort of signing in the January window that comes in and you know really gives the team a shot in the arm and carries us on to the next level. 
you know, they were talking about the squad depth, about how, you know, that because he's left, we, we still have players and stuff like that. And that is true. But I think Conor McAvoy had absolutely made a case for himself to be in the team every week. He, he didn't have a bad game um, with us. And it's, it, it's as well as that, it's, it's frustrating for McAvoy as well, because obviously he's, he's at Fulham. And I, I've always made the case that we are the per, the perfect team for these sort of players to come to to make a case for themselves. You know, a season in the championship with a team in Glasgow, you're you're visible, but you're not in the spotlight, if that makes sense. And that you're not at like Hearts or Hibs and kind of or Aberdeen and having that big pressure, but as well as that you're not out at like uh, I don't know, um like Cove or something like that, like far away out, outside of the sort of the, the media bubble, if that makes sense. You're in Glasgow, where a team in Glasgow who are, they get lots of coverage and stuff like that and are, are well known. And I think for him to make a case that the team only helps him and could absolutely have pushed him on uh, when he went back to film. And it's a great, it's a great league to get experience in because, I mean, as I said, it's, it's a fucking terrible league. It's a proper league in the sense that, you know, you're playing games in a really compact league against teams who are up for it. There's lots of good ding-dong battles, you know. It's not a... You know, sometimes you'll go down to, I don't know, if you go to, like, League 2 in England and, you know, you're playing for, I don't know, like, Forest Green Rovers or something like that or MK Dons or something like that. You don't really kind of get... They're not really a club you can get as invested in as, say, ourselves or, you know, another team in Scotland. And I think it's a shame that he's going back because, again, he's so young that you don't know what an injury like that is going to do to him. He had such promise in the sense that, you know, he was in the Scotland team. Um, he wouldn't have been available this week and stuff like that because of it. And, um, yeah, it's a real shame. Um, he'll, he'll, be, he'll certainly be missed, I think, for a player to come in and play like five games of and have the sort of impact he has. He will be fondly remembered. Um, and hopefully one day we can see him maybe at the tail end of his career or maybe when he comes back, if we're still putting him out on loan, hopefully we can maybe see him one day in official top again. Well, before we go on to talk about Inverness, uh, well done to everyone at Jags for Good who were named the, the Community Champions on Saturday and they received £976 in cash donations and 97 kilograms in food and toiletry donations on Saturday with their collection. So that's great work for everybody involved with them. And this is our last record before Sunday's event on Sunday the 26th of March at um, it's a dry gate. It is a 10th anniversary event of the 2012-13 Champions team. It's hosted by Ray Bradshaw and tickets are £15 and all proceeds will go to the Partick Thistle Charitable Trust. So that's Jags for Good and the Jags Foundation um, organising and sorting that one out. So if you're free on Sunday, hop along to that. On Friday night, we will be travelling up to Inverness. Rhys, what sort of game are you expecting up there on Friday? Um, expecting a really good one. I was saying to you, um, off air, like it's a fixture that I absolutely love, and I know a lot of fans won't like it in the Friday night and traveling up and stuff. But I've got a half day at work and I'm proper looking forward to it. It's always a, it's always one that is is enjoyable and, and quite often memorable. Um, good results and bad results up there, but I do think we'll have a good game. I do think Inverness might have a wee bit of confidence about them. Um, I know they're not in the best sort of form in the league, but that cup run, um, that fraudulent cup run that they already got knocked out of, and now they're playing a League One team to get into the Scottish Cup final, that'll give them a lot of confidence and I thought that they would have put off a bit of a result at the weekend, but obviously Queen's Park being 
the force that they are at the moment came back from behind. So um, I'm expecting a good a good task for us, but hopefully we can keep it tight at the back again and, and start playing a bit more attacking football. So I'm really looking forward to it. But aye, I don't know. I was going to say there'll be goals in it, but I don't think so. I don't know don't know what we're about at the moment. So it could be another nil nil. You never know. I think it'll, it'll definitely be a very different Inverness to the one that we saw at Hill in, in December time. I think they've got a lot of players back from injury. And as you said, Reese, they will be riding high on that sort of Scottish Cup run. Jamie, would you make any changes to the team for, for Friday's game? I'd bring Milne back in if he's fit. Other than that, I don't think I'd make any changes, to be honest. As much as Lawless hasn't been as effective of late, I feel Fitzpatrick might not be starting with that eye injury that he seemed to suffering the game he look, looks like quite a bad cut and he's got like a black eye as well hopefully he's available for the squad I'm not sure because I would quite like to see him get a start again in coming weeks but I'm guessing he probably won't be so the only change I'd make would be Milne David do you agree with that just bring Milne in any more changes for you yeah I'd probably go with that to be honest if Milne's available get him in because we, we do benefit a lot from him in terms of the team yeah that that's probably the only change that we make maybe contradicting um, Reese, but I, I don't think this is this is a game that just does not feel like it has a nil-nil in it. it. Just in general, whenever we go up there, it's always a very fun and exciting game, whether it's for us or for Inverness. But, it, you know, um, there's certainly something to it. And it's a Friday night, you know, on the telly. We'll probably take a half-decent backing up just because it's Inverness. It's a weekend. You know, people will be making the weekend of it. Some people will be off work on the Friday and then you know, doing something Saturday, Sunday or whatever. So I think we'll probably take quite a good crowd. We're in half-decent form at the moment. Um, I think there will be goals in it. But yeah, I know I'm really looking forward to it, but I think the only change I would make would be Milne. I don't know why you do that. I don't think I've ever seen a good football match where any sort of commentator or pundit has said, yes, there'll be goals in this before it. I, I don't know why you would say that. <laughs> that is true. That's good. No, no, written all over it, Matt. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, again, second week in a row, no points picked up in the predictions. So, Reese, you're still top of the table. Do you want to kick us off this week? Um, I'll stick with uh, a tight scoreline, like I say, but I'm going to go one 0 Jags. Never predict a loss or anything, but I think we can we can get a goal on the road, and the Dillon train will continue to to keep on going. Um, HMS pissed the league, pissed the playoffs, maybe, but I. Um, <laughs> 1-0 Jags. David, what sort of boat would HMS piss the playoffs be? If, uh, if HMS piss the league as a big cruise liner, what's the what's the playoff equivalent? I'm thinking of like, maybe not even a CalMac ferry. Um, maybe like the Renfrew ferry that you get for Yoka. Um, <laughs> I think that's probably what HMS piss the playoffs would be. Um, and the Renfrew Ferry. Um, Focus played in there all the time as well, so that seems very apt for us. Yeah, it's going to be the Renfrew Ferry, isn't it? <laughs> uh, David, I think you can go next in the predictions. I think you're second. I'm going to go 2-0 Fissel. I think we'll keep a clean sheet. Jamie? I think I don't think it'll be another 0 no, no. but for some reason, I'm just feeling we're going to concede in this game. But I think we'll come out and talk, so I'm going to say 3-1 Fissel. I'll, I'll round us off with full house of wins. I'll go 2 0 Fist. I think Brian Graham's always good for a goal against Inverness. So I'll go Graham and Tiffany, 0 2, up the road. We have a new host of Partridge Thistle this week. So, Jamie, I'll hand over to you. Reluctantly, have a new host. Uh, yeah, after a slagging off 
the questions a couple of weeks ago. I got a one pod suspension, but I'm back and on an interim basis taking over the Partridge Festival. So um, Matt tasked me to come up for a question. I've been thinking long, long, hard about this. Definitely didn't forget and remember this morning, but I was saying similar to the TV show, Ted Lasso, if you had to bring in a coach or athlete from another sport and to manage Thistle, who would it be and why? And Matt, we'll start with you. Okay. Uh, my answer would be Jordan Spieth. Uh, followers of my Twitter account will know I'm a Jordan Spieth fan. Uh, golf fans will know that Jordan Spieth might be the sort of Partick Thistle of golf, albeit a bit better, in the sense that he never does things the easy way. If he's got a four-footer, he'll miss it, but then he'll hold a 70-footer in the next hole. Very erratic. It would be very entertaining. I think his post-match press conferences would be would be excellent. So Jordan Spieth's my answer, Jamie. My fellow struggler, Reese, what's your what's your answer? You could have given us a bit of warning with this one, Jimmy. Come on, but um, I don't know. We're going to go with someone like Michael Jordan. I know I know he's obviously not an active sportsman right now, but a legend of the game. And and when it comes down to mentality, I don't think there's anyone with a better mindset in sports. Guy was just a winner, and uh, I think that he would do well as a as a as a manager of Partick Thistle. Um, I can see us winning a few titles under the. Under the leadership of Michael Jordan. I'll go next. Save the best till last. David always has a good answer. So I was going to go with Ivan Lendl. He's um, Andy Murray's coach right now. Andy Murray won all three Grand Slams under him. Very um, monotone, rich from me, I know. Monotone, um, reserved guy. Doesn't smile very much. Even when Andy Murray won Wimbledon the second time, he just sat there completely motionless and emotionless. So I think he'd be entertaining to see what he'd be like at festival. I don't know how he'd celebrate winning games and his post-match interviews would be be funny to listen to. But again, he's he's a good coach. He anyone he coaches usually wins big things. So even Lando to get festival the Scottish Cup. And ah, oh, David, on you go. Let's see how you So despite what James Kearney says in the Woody Pro Wrestling is a sport. So I'm going to go with uh, the Godfather of Japanese wrestling, Antonio Inoki. An insane man. I could spend hours talking about all the mad stuff he's done, like when he rescued hostages from Saddam Hussein and once challenged Idi Amin to a boxing fight. Um, but as well as that, like he was very uh, emotional. Like he would do the sort of McCall gene, everybody up and getting them into, the, getting them into the zone. Every, everything about his tenure with us would be absolute chaos. But we'd absolutely love the players, and they'd be having a living Brian Graham's in the team. So I'd go Antonio Inoki, um, the founder of New Japan Pro Wrestling. David, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Saddam Hussein there because uh, I wanted to just refer back to a previous Partridge Thistle and just shout out Jeremy Vine's uh, radio show this morning. In the space of about 30 seconds this morning, he read out a text message that said that um, it was from a man in, in Oban, I believe, and it said that everybody who was in the armed forces who went over to Iraq should be jailed. And then he had a man on who said that he personally found weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and then he played a Jesse Ware song. That was all within 30 <laughs> seconds. The guy was on fire this morning, and it was, it was a master at work. Jamie, I thought he did excellently there. That was a, a great part of this one. I, I hope you're up for doing some more. Uh, would you uh, like to Would you like it. to close the show, Jamie? Uh, yeah, go on then. But thanks everyone for listening. And uh, what is it you used to always say? You know, I was going to say stay safe and wear a mask, but I think we have a bit three years too late to that. So <laughs> <laughs> stay safe and buy tickets for the mess away. <laughs>